Greetings, everyone. This is the Hipster Snack, bringing to you another episode of the Tomodachi Bros podcast. With me today, in alphabetical order, are Mr. Ditaku. Oh. Yes. And also, uh, Ditaku's brother, Noodle, has rejoined us. Are you aware that in terms of huggability, Flareon is the most compatible Pokemon with humans? Oh, no. Oh. No, that, that checks out. Uh, Flareon is very huggable and would be very warm. That is very wholesome. That, goodbye. I'm leaving now. <laughs> that, that is a very wholesome fact and in no way has any broader implications <laughs> whatsoever. I'm just saying the least huggable Pokemon would probably be like Venipede. Okay, so I have a question then. Gentlemen. All right. If you were a Pokemon. What Pokemon would you be and why? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, obviously, I would become part of the glorious Eevee Master Race, so <laughs> then I can be whatever I want to be. That does give you a lot of options. There's definitely that. You know what? I, I, I would be a Garchomp. Eevee is objectively best Pokemon. Anyone who says otherwise is wrong. I would be a Garchomp. Now, here's my rationale. My favorite Pokemon is actually Flygon. But with Garchomp, I get to be a jet plane, I get to burrow, and everyone would want to hang out with me because I would always be meta. So, And no one uses ice types in Smogon, so I'm basically guaranteed safety. You're basically a land shark. Yeah, I'm a like, land shark. I just get to go around eating anything I want, like a Saturday Night Live skit, back when Saturday Night Live was good. Uh, I mean, I, I I already know that I'm I'd be a dino. I already am a dino. <laughs> I mean, that's true. I mean, Noodle can attest. I saw a dino, and I'm like, oh my god, it's literally me. It's <laughs> this is my humpy. <laughs> because it's blind, or because it likes to bite people in the ankle? Because both. <laughs> <laughs> He literally saw that and was like, oh my god, it's my spirit animal. <laughs> That's fair. That, that is fair. You know, my one my one sadness is the fact that it actually gets eyes as a Hydreigon. I'm like, other than that, you know, Dinos, Violas, I'm like, yeah, no, they're, they're perfect. Apart for the two heads that die. No, they don't die. They just become limbs. They become brain dead. I was gonna yeah. say they they die, dude. <laughs> they die the same way Paris dies when it evolves. Well, the yeah. creature doesn't die, but I mean, I guess they. they uh, whatever. I'm not gonna. <laughs> not, I'm, not, I'm I'm okay. Yeah, I'm gonna agree to disagree with you. <laughs> I mean, it's it's literally you know Pokemon Ghidorah. Oh know. my god, guys! Pokemon lore is so dark. Welcome to our top ten darkest Pokemon lores countdown video. <laughs> Did you know that Sandy Gast sucks the souls out of other Pokemon, and that's how it sustains itself? It's a ghost type that makes it spooky. Jellicent literally eats sailors. You know the That's Pokedex true. is usually wrong, right? Like it literally says, like Alakazam has an IQ of five thousand or something absolutely ridiculous like that. It's always wrong. Like yes, this is why ten-year-olds do not make good field researchers. Okay, uh, you, you, you're, it literally are you saying says that, that Rail Girl. Girl. 
Are you saying that Macargo, that the, the flame slug, which is supposedly hotter than the surface of the sun, which would ignite all the oxygen <laughs> in the atmosphere, isn't actually hotter than the surface of the sun? Yeah. Like and I said, are you, are you saying that the gigantic whale is not, in fact, have a lower density than hydrogen gas? Yeah. Like I said, 10-year-olds do not the best field researchers make. They tend to exaggerate or misunderstand certain elements of science. Welcome no, to the high quality no culture. Welcome to the high quality culture you and guys didn't it, expect. And they said Digimon's not, you know, a good <laughs> representation of Metal Greymon literally has nuclear warheads in its chest and can produce a limitless number of them. Uh just saying. is equal power to him, and he literally just sings bad, and that's his attack. Yep. It's it's about equal in strength, yes. So, yes, I guess what we're saying is Edamon's bad karaoke is on equal power <laughs> to a nuclear weapon. That checks out. It is it is literally a war crime. <laughs> yep. Which is kind of a segue in its own right, because today we are here to talk about heroes. And I don't mean I don't mean protagonists because there's a difference a protagonist is just the viewpoint character it's the, who the story wants you to follow i'm talking about a good old-fashioned hero okay deadpool can be a protagonist he is not a hero at least not in the sense that we're talking about uh, and just want to clarify that yeah and honestly the the reason why we bring it up is because uh, uh, okay take take a look around the modern pop culture is right now, I think, is in a very bad place because really every single protagonist you have, they're 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 jaded, they're cynical, they're very 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 pessimistic. None of them really have uh, any sense of nobility, any sense of, of of trying to do the right thing. It's just, uh, the world sucks. Nothing ever is going to happen that's good. Guess we better be awful people and kill people. And, you know, I hate to say it, but, you know, it's not the 90s anymore. Don't have to be, you know, just entirely depressed all the time. See, you say that, but we're still kind of suffering from the cultural fallout that was the 90s. Only 90s kids will understand. I'm saying like the last 25 years have really been tainted by what the 90s is, was, and what it represented. And uh, the 90s kids will understand. I don't want to understand. <laughs> you know, you know it neither of you are 90s kids. I'm the only one. I was like, yeah, Dutaku and I were born in the 80s. <laughs> You know, see, I've seen, I've heard you're chil your children of the Cold War. I'm see, the one who was born after the fall of the Berlin Wall. My parents were boomers, okay? I come from an I older mean, family. Hey, technically speaking, our parents were boomers too. Oh, yeah, I forgot that. It's Cog's parents who are significantly younger. Yeah. I mean, fair. Fair point. I I mean, our our parents are like the youngest that you could can still be considered a quote unquote boomer. Yeah, but um, I mean, I I've heard it such that it's like you know, in order to be a '90s kid, you had to have lived through the '90s, 
Or I've also heard it that some people say that, you know, you have to have been born in the 90s. I honestly, I mean, it's like, what is constitutes a millennial? It really depends on your definitions. Honestly. Yeah, where, where does millennial end and Zoomer begin? Because, like, mean, depending on definition, it's like depending on your definition, we're either the latest, the latest batch of Gen Xers or we're the first batch of millennials. It, it all depends on where you draw your line in the sand. The broader point. I mean, I'm to- pretty. I'm pretty firmly in the middle of the millennials, based off of like all of the lines that people draw. But right. I was, I was born in 1991. <laughs> ah, you, you you share your birth year with Sonic the Hedgehog. Curses. You know what yeah, I, I share? Go with- <laughs> there can be only one. You, you, you want to know? Uh, here's a bit fun bit of uh, trivia for you. You know what? Uh, my birth year is shared in. Rick Astley's never going to give you up. For real. Seriously. Why did you do that to everyone who is listening to this podcast? You have just been Rickworld by proxy. Yes. (laughs) Why? Cog, drop the opening beat to the song here. Just like the first 10 seconds will do. Thank you. You know, I guess you know what it says. You know the rules. So do I. (laughs) Say bye. The, the the broader point we're trying to make here is is the cultural the, the cultural through line of heroes and main characters in fiction are largely going one of three directions and they're all a bit disappointing because you're either getting what Dutaku said you're getting the angsty anti-hero who, who's basically fresh out of the 90s because they grew up on like 90s X-Men comics and now that's like all they know or they're going the route of the self-insert wish fulfillment fan fiction because look, mom, you were wrong, and I'm writing this story about how wrong you were, and I definitely wasn't the one who was wrong. It was definitely you, mom. And uh, oh my goodness, why is evil McMommington like such a relatable <laughs> and good character? Really, the villain. It's like why is the villain so and, based? Like, what why? Gives? Yeah, why? Why is the villain like such a good person then? And yet, you know, we're supposed to be rooting for the hero who's like an awful person. And on top of that, the hero deliberately doesn't put their shopping cart back. That is villainous. I'm just saying. <laughs> like you, you can. Okay, this is a thing, and I'm sorry, I have to go on another tangent here. But going to the grocery store is one of those exercises. It's a personality test in disguise. Because if you get a shopping cart, and, and you get a shopping cart, what you do with the shopping cart at the end of your journey dictates like how I evaluate you as a human being. Okay, Because like, if you go to the corral and you put your cart back, you're probably a good person. If you leave your cart out, just wherever, or worse yet, deliberately let it roll to the parking lot, you're probably the lowest form of evil and Satan has a place for you in hell. So, I mean, I hope you enjoy it. It's like, you literally are only saving yourself, like, a minute, and you, you, you theoretically are, you know, leaving not only the people who work there in jeopardy, but you're also threatening your own vehicle because who's to say that that you know shopping cart isn't going to roll and hit your vehicle? Yeah, you ding dong. So yeah, that 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 is that is a good point. You know, the, the good heroes return their shopping cart. Ultraman returns his shopping carts without fail. I'm just saying. You know, that's the one bit of that Dogen skit that you're just going to remember. <laughs> <laughs> that really Ultraman. just. 
that just stuck with me. On the women's only train, Ultraman returns his shopping cart. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Ultraman, the hero that we need, but not the one that we deserve. That is, we deserve Ultra Seven. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Ultra Seven's heart was always in the right place. He was just willing to get his hands dirty if things went awry. Like, actually, that's the thing. We we did talk about this about a year or two ago. We talked about how. Ultraman is kind of more relevant today than he was in 1966. Um, I maintain that's still very, very true because the third, the third family of heroes that you run into are usually just really, really dull because like, I don't know if they're the self insert, but the person writing this isn't an interesting person or if things just went wrong, but like, okay, let me transport you guys back in time. Okay, let's go back to the, to the early aughts. Okay, only aughts kids will remember this. Uh, remember when, when we were excited for Marvel movies? That was a good time, wasn't it? <laughs> like, you know, Iron Man was coming out, Captain America was coming out, and oh man, like, I, I went and saw, the first movie I ever saw opening weekend was Captain America, the first Avenger. Like, I was pumped. I wanted to see Captain America. Captain America is a good man. He's not like the good guy in the broad philosophical sense. He is without qualifier, a good man. And the entire film is building up that he's this, this noodly little, no offense, uh, <laughs> very lean, <Been> taken. <laughs> very lean young man. And, and he's like the entire point of the fight in the alleyway where he's like, I can do this all day is because he literally can't, he, he will just like be knocked to the pavement. It's, at some Yeah. Point. It's just bravado. And the entire reason why he is given the chance to join the super soldier program is because the one doctor is like, Oh, you want to go and kill Nazis? He's like, no, I just want to stop another bully from bullying people who can't defend themselves. Yeah. And, and, and he even explains, he's like, good becomes great bad becomes worse. It's going to exaggerate these things. And he was chosen because like time and time again, he's shown to be very resourceful. He's shown to be very kind. He's shown to be very giving. It's the the goodness of the man that made the greatness of the superhero. And like that movie's still great. I don't I, like that. Mm, mwah, a plus wonderful cinema. <laughs> like just ah, so good. And then a couple years later, they announce a Miss Marvel movie. Now, here's the thing. I don't read modern comics because they haven't been good in a while. <laughs> and so I was thinking like old school Carol Danvers with the, 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 the uh, Warbird uniform and a sense of humor and, you know, able to have fun and, and be kind of jocular and, and verbose and fun. And then I, what we got was not that. Well, <laughs> what we got was not that. But, uh. See, the funny thing is with that character is that there actually was a Marvel Cinematic Universe version of that character that you mentioned. But the problem was it was in the Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes, where basically she was Warbird, but she had the original um, very 70s Miss Marvel outfit. Oh, the black the, and red uh, one? The, yeah, the black and red one with the really, really schnazzy, um, the the like seventies Ishinomori scarf and yeah. the uh, domino mask. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like, what we got was this self-insert fan fiction character. It was not fun. 
and had no personality to speak of, who was there because the, the, the writer had a political agenda to grind. And I'm like, this, this is not fun. I'm not having fun. This now, is not. See, you see, and there could have been, you could have had Carol Danvers, the, the, you know, strong, you know, no nonsense, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be the one to make it happen. Um, character you could have had that character and it would have been very interesting as a um you know oh this there's this this godlike character who has amnesia who slowly becomes uh, aware that she's actually the part of this one you know conspiracy within the kree empire to basically use her as a living weapon that that would be really interesting but yeah, the entire like, oh, you know, strong, independent woman. It's like <laughs> you do that better than anyone I know, Otaku. Oh well, you're welcome. <laughs> it, it didn't need to be a thing because you know, if okay, here's my thing. Like, if you have to be like, look how strong and empowered I am. It's like you're not. You're not that. If you have to tell people you are that, you are not that. As a, a wise sage once said, when you draw attention to the breaking of gender stereotypes, it kind of implies that this is the exception and not the status quo. Sonic Boom really was way better than anyway. <laughs> Sonic Boom was fantastic and totally deserved a third season, I'm just saying. You know, the fact that they literally ended the series with, you know, a joke about, you know, it's like, people are going to want a third season, but we really don't need to make it. Yeah, basically. And, and no, the, here, that's, that is actually a very interesting segue. Let's talk about Sonic Boom for a second, because that show also talks about good heroes. There's a fantastic episode about it, as a matter of fact. There's, I forget the guys. You have to be more specific, because I, I'm like, <laughs> I could There's think a of at least three that, are, that could, you know, talk about this. That, that's true. Also, uh, the, because I have never seen a single episode of this show, so. Okay, okay, you need okay. To. imagine, ima- okay, so you know Sonic, right? I I've seen the clips, especially including the one that was just referenced. I, I I've seen the clips. I've seen the things of okay, you know, okay. That's, Sonic that's getting pulled it's over. Basically, and, just entirely those clips are, are effectively it's just that, but for like they're like fifteen minute, minute episodes. Hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's that level of writing. I mean, uh, there's there's one um, I think that you would really enjoy where. Um, they, there's this one character who, who shows up, Shifty the Shrew, who is basically 90s Sonic, but as like his own radical character. And everyone loves him, but it then later is revealed that it's Dr. Robotnik creating a character to annoy Sonic into just leaving the village. <laughs> um, Swifty's episode was fantastic. Yeah, it was. The, the episode I had in mind is that they meet this owl, and he, he's basically a manager for role models, is this whole thing. And so he goes to Sonic and company, and he's like, you guys are the heroes of the village, so you guys have to be good role models. And he's giving them all these like rules and stipulations, and he's like, uh, good heroes don't partake in violence. Uh, good heroes will use their words. And Eggman the entire time is taunting them, like, yes, use your words! It's totally working! As he's like winning the fight. <laughs> and <laughs> Sticks, Sticks, who is best girl, is just like, 
no, this is stupid. And I don't want to be part of this stupid thing. You guys can sit here and be good role models. I'm going to fight Dr. Eggman. <laughs> and uh, I love Sticks. And she's been canonized, by the way. The ending of Sonic Frontiers canonizes Sticks's presence in the greater Sega Sonic universe. I, I, I don't care if it's spoilers. It's important to me, okay? I mean, you know, you know, teen girl squad, Alex Jones... <laughs> yeah yeah okay yes i mean is she still you know teen girl squad alex jones uh we don't see her in frontiers but it is implied that it is the character that we know uh okay amy amy name drops her uh because she mentions at the end that she's probably gonna go on vacation with cream and sticks so oh dear yeah, that's, yeah, that's that, a combination. I, I've kind of realized how awful that sounds out of context when I said it out loud, and I'm just not going to dwell on that or the intro to this episode. So, <laughs> moving right along. <laughs> ahem, ahem. So, no, the entire point is Sonic and the others are kind of like guys. We we're, we may not actually be role models because we're we're, we're kind of slackers. We we kind of half bake it. We, we we do what we do because it's the right thing to do. We don't always have, like, not everything we do is perfect. We're, we're flawed people, but we're people. And that was the entire point. Uh, and, like, Sonic actually gets in trouble because he calls a guy a guy and people people. And, like, every time he does it, the like, everyone who's, like, watching gasps at him. Like, he just said some kind of, like, horrible, horrible thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure the one, um, the one stereotypical mom character, the one walrus, literally yeah. clutches the pearls. Yes, the she movie. literally clutches her pearls. That the Sonic Boom is so good. I'm just saying. The games, the first game may have been garbage, and the second game may have been just okay, but like that series more than justified its existence. Uh, man, but like that, that's what the whole. Are your thoughts, Professor on Sonic's arms being blue. I do not care. It's whatever. I didn't notice the difference until the internet pointed it out for me. It means that little, guys. Like, really. <laughs> not according oh, to no. some people, but okay. Oh, no. You've doomed us all. <laughs> I mean, the professor literally started complaining about Pokemon typings, and I mean, a lot of people were like, actually, my most popular oh, video okay. in several months. Yes. That one blew up even in ways that I didn't expect. <laughs> like, I kind of thought it would get a good response, but I think in part, uh, Barry bandit and gym leader, Ed kind of advertised for me and yeah, it really blew up. Uh, so that was cool, but you no, know, like the, the whole thing was like, you can have, your hero, you can have your, your doer of great deeds and the, the hero can indeed be flawed and very interesting, but they can still be a good hero. And also, also here's the thing that a lot of modern writers need to take to heart and that we can't shut up about. They don't have to be a political pundit. That's the best part. Hey, there's another Sonic Boom joke for you, where they go to the uh, floating island of robots, Morristown, and they're like, oh, it's a paradise. And they're like, why is it a paradise? And it's like, because no one posts their political opinions on social media, so everyone gets along. And I'm just like, based. <laughs> see, see, here's the thing, and like, I, there, I forget if who it was. I want to say Ted Kazan, who literally was a, a communist who was blacklisted during the 1950s for being a communist who was a screenwriter. And you, the funny thing was, is not only was he blacklisted 
uh, in the industry, he was also blacklisted by his own communists because he made an article where he basically went, yes, if you, we need to make uh, messages about communism in our movies, but if we make them overt, then uh, people aren't going to want to see our movies. We need to actually have them be entertaining, but also have those values within them. Here's the thing. People didn't like that because it wasn't overt enough. But people aren't going to watch it. He's absolutely right. People aren't going to watch things if it's not entertaining. It needs to be good entertainment. Um, and, I mean, that's kind of the, the way I present my values and my stories is that I'm trying to make good stories. If people take something away from my stories in terms of you know value judgments or whatever... Yeah, that's cool, but I'm trying to, you know, make people happy. Yeah, and, and that that ties very directly because every story has a main character or main characters, as case may be. And I think this is part of the reason why American comics are floundering and manga is booming, particularly in the shonen demographic. Because I'm going to be straight up, Goku is not a heroic person. Goku is a man-child and kind of a bully who doesn't really know when to reel it in. But, but, there are lots of characters in the, the, the same medium who are fantastic heroes. You have, you know, Jonathan Joestar, the, the gentleman of House Joestar. You have, you know, Kenshiro, the wandering hero of the plains, the, the, the one that everyone looked to as their only salvation. You have all these great characters. You have All Might, like All Might, who is just like super cool, who puts on the smile because people need him to smile for them. That's inspirational stuff. The, the, I'm reminded of Survivor of the Hair Kingdom, Bobobo, who terrorizes <laughs> the ending of that millennium. Bobobo, who just <laughs> cannot be predicted whatsoever. I mean, he makes he makes me laugh. That's all. That's all it needs to be. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes a character can be very simple in the concept, but the execution can be amazing. Like none of these are particularly complicated concepts. Like Deku as a character is not a complicated idea. He he's a normie in Superworld who wants to be who wants to help people out of the goodness of his heart. That's a very simple concept with a really solid character execution. And we see that when he runs to try to save Bakugo, essentially his bully, from a situation where he might literally have gotten himself killed. That showed Deku had a heroic heart. That begins his hero's journey. And when was the last time we saw something like this in American comics? I couldn't tell you. I don't read them because they're all garbage. This uh, they, they've kind of not been good for a Hot. for a while yes i mean i haven't ever read american comics so i can't really say but i can say i think i think that kind of strict strikes on a bit of a difference from what um you were going off with the the sonic boom role models of the heroes they shouldn't necessarily be role models they can they can be but they shouldn't be yes. necessarily but they should be they should be aspirational Yes, they should be characters that we not necessarily aspire to be, but aspire to 
be like. So we should all aspire to, to use your example, you know, run towards danger to to help those who are who who can't help themselves. Right. We should all be able to aspire to that. Yeah. Even though we're not going to be normies in superhero world, but um, yeah, that's just that that ultimately is, I think, what kind of makes a good hero um in a lot of not not universally not necessarily um because i could definitely go about go down some contrasting heroes and say lord of the rings that as a, a separate thing but right um but i think a lot of a lot of good heroes are good because they Paint the picture of us not how we are, but how we both should and can be. Very well said. For for instance, uh, you know, kind of going back to what you were talking about, Professor, um, with uh, Goku, for instance, it's like, yeah, you you probably don't want to be a, you know, fight, battle hungry, fight loving gluttonous, you know, guy who's just always, oh man, I can't wait to fight people. But, you know, constantly just having a very open mind, uh, you know, always looking for new adventure, always trying to constantly improve yourself and, you know, having like no judgment, but being very friendly. Those are all good qualities that Goku has that, you know, you could go, yeah, you know, you should be like that. that. That is what a good person ought to be. That is true. You don't want to be perfectly like Goku because (laughs) I mean, he's literally based off of Sun Wukong and you do not want to be Sun Wukong. No, but uh, yeah, I mean, but you want, you want to emulate the great aspects of a hero while understanding that their flaws are what drive a story forward. We wouldn't have gotten the tournament of power arc if Goku wasn't a complete moron. And yeah, then we wouldn't have you know the uh, the the drip on uh, on a what was it Ultra Instinct? Yeah, drip Goku, drip Goku. <laughs> yes, but then we would, and then we wouldn't have had Ultra Instinct Shaggy, which is you know yeah, the so, gun destruction Ultra Instinct Shaggy, who was the most important character in fiction. Like I'm only know. using five percent of my power. <laughs> I do love that they took that meme and just rolled with it. Hmm. There's something to be said for that. Yes, there there is definitely something to be said for that. Um. I mean, it's funny actually that not only did Warner Brothers go and roll with it, but apparently even Dragon Ball did because they basically made Gohan Blanco canon. <laughs> oh yes, yes they did. Now, and that's that's a thing. Heroes can be very different, but the most important thing. I think it's kind of what Noodle was saying is to aspire to have their best qualities uh, with a healthy understanding of why they're not perfect and, and ostensibly shouldn't be. Not only is that unrealistic, it's also quite boring in execution. That's where you get your Mary Sue's or your uh, May Ray Sue's in the Star Wars universe. Man, okay, so, so had such such potential. So to to kind of go down on both of those paths and to reference back to 
Lord of the Rings, as I, I had mentioned. Fire away. Um, fire, yes, yes. Um, so a lot of people will who have read the books, because Aragorn is a very different person between the books and the movies. As much as I love the movies, and as Dutaku will tell you, I watch those movies religiously. I marathon them every December. Um, it's true. They still hit attention as as God intended. Um, <laughs> basically, he he gets a cold turkey sandwich, and he's like, "All right, Dutaku, we're going to do this." It's like, "All right, this is what we do." Do, do you do the eleven-hour extended cut? Yes, we do. That's the only way you're supposed to do it. And yeah, right. so yeah, that's why we get our, our cold turkey sandwiches. Makes sense. Yes. As God intended. Um, but anyways, Aragorn in in the, the movies is very much plagued by guilt and whether or not he will be a good king. And I know a lot of people look at, at the the books and they see an Aragorn that's, you know basically without flaws he's like oh no i he's he's not plagued by self-doubt he's not like oh will i be a good king should i even become king he's like nope it's my destiny to become king i'm gonna be king and yeah i'll 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 do my best to be a good king um there's no there's no doubt or anything in that but you also see over the course of the Lord of the Rings, two other great lords of men. You see Boromir and you see Faramir. And so, you, and you see Boromir fall to the temptation of the ring for honestly quite understandable reasons. He's been literally fighting a war his whole life and he sees this weapon that could be used to turn the tide and save his you know, countless lives of his countrymen course he's gonna grab it and so and then you see you see his brother faramir who is also looks at the ring and goes no i'm not gonna be that but he is plagued by doubt he is plagued by by darkness and depression and you know this losing war and that that his brother also sees but he doesn't succumb to that temptation and so the way that i have always thought about that when you see these three great these three great lords of men these three heroes is that you know boromir is the man that we are aragorn is the man that we should aspire to be and faramir is the man that we can be can i to kind of put Put some some, you know, heroic virtues and aspirational things out there. No, I, I agree, and I also, you know, just want to say that um, something I've noticed in a lot of the Lord of the Rings, you know, things that I've seen, just kind of the all the you know additional media, you know, guys, you don't want that ring all these like oh lord of the rings battle battler you can claim the ring it's like you don't want to claim the ring that's the entire point of the, the books that's, that's why the they gave it to frodo of the movie they you don't want the ring it is literally power that yes it's power but it will destroy you 
that that's the entire point. And the greater you are, the more it's likely to corrupt you. And you know what? I'm I'm just gonna say it because I'm tired of seeing it posted. They couldn't ask the Eagles to fly them. The greater you are, the more the ring tempts you. And the Eagles were basically one step below angels. Okay, they would be tempted just the same way Gandalf was. I mean, that's why Frodo never, needed to carry it. Never mind the fact that in the Hobbit, the, the Eagles actually go, "Yeah, we're threatened. We, we can't go to certain places because the farmers will shoot at us with arrows." You don't think that you know, all Bordor had some you know, longbows? Bows and arrows. Yeah, yeah. Also, they had their own literal air force with the fell beasts. Yeah, but anyway, so they couldn't. Yeah. They couldn't ask the. They couldn't ask the eagles. Stop posting that. It's not funny. Read the book, and you would understand. Uh, yeah, you also there, they buddy. weren't. They also weren't just you know Gandalf's taxi service. They were their own people <laughs> with aspirations. They they Gandalf just didn't have you know summon eagle <laughs> six as a level six spell slot that he could just you know cast to to summon two d three plus two eagles for twenty four hours that that Gandalf isn't a wizard Gandalf is a literal angel that like how would you feel if if like, how would you guys feel if a bearded dragon just rolled up to you and was like, hey, buddy, can you carry me like 30 miles over to like the next, like the, the fiery volcano so I can go inside? You'd be really annoyed if that happened and probably very confused. That's the eagle's perception of the whole situation. That, that, that's oh, no. actually another good point, actually. Frodo is the humble hero. And that's the thing. He has to be because the burden he's carrying is more tempting the greater you already are. So that's why he was chosen, because the halflings don't really want very much in life, apart from five meals a day. Understandable. Have a nice day. <laughs> <laughs> Never have I related to a fantasy race more. <laughs> oh, when you don't want to be, you know, the dwarves, where it's literally, I just want to, you know, make my really cool, you know, basement and just live there. I mean... Yeah, there, there's definitely something to be said for that. The, the, the I think there's something to be said with a lot of people. I, <laughs> I think there's a reason that Minecraft is the best-selling video game of all time. Yeah. <laughs> definitely, there's definitely uh, some kind of neurons being activated there. No, like that's that's the thing though. It's like they are different types of heroes with different types of goals and aspirations. And again, you have Frodo, who's like the humble hero. He doesn't. He's not particularly strong. He's not super fast. He doesn't have any real powers. He's just he's a guy. He's a short. He's a short king. <laughs> okay, he's he's a short king along with his pocket prince buddies and cousins and. <laughs> <laughs> I can't claim credit for that. I can't claim credit for that. I got that from Seth Zine Touch. Yeah, I, I know. It's just that, that it's pretty funny, though. So. So, so, like, he and his cousins and his best friend are like, hey, guys, we're going to walk where? To hell. What? Yeah, literally. It, it's, oh, uh, yeah, by the way, hell is over there 3,000 <laughs> miles away. Hell is 3,000 miles away. How do you know it's hell? Trees don't grow there. What? That's what it says in the book. Trees don't grow in Mordor. That's why it's hell. It's also a reference to the psalm, but I mean, that's neither here nor there. War is bad, okay? <laughs> yeah, that is. No, I'm, I'm not even being facetious. It is. It's terrible. Uh, 
But yeah, they are they are humble heroes. Whereas you know, if Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas as your they're veteran heroes who have been in combat and have undergone training, they are above the humble hero, but they're not. Well, I don't know. In the movies, they are kind of super powered. <laughs> see, see, here's the thing: like people don't understand, but like Aragorn in the books is literally a guy who's who's basically he would be like level seventeen. Yeah. That's the reason why he's so good at everything he does because he effectively is like, yeah, guys, I've, I've seen some, I've seen some stuff. I've been around, uh, you know, been around the block a few times. Yeah. I mean, there there is a scene in in the extended edition um, where Eowyn does talk to to Aragorn and mention, which is actually referencing events that were mentioned in the book. That, um, yeah, Aragorn rode to war against Mordor before. He he rode to he graveled down to Gondor. He rode to war with with Theoden's dad and was a captain of Gondor fighting the the corsairs of Umbar. He, he this is not the first time that he has gone to war. Yeah. And not the first time that he has led men into war. It's also mentioned that the dwarves who traveled with Bilbo uh, were trained in the art of war because if you're in a mountain stronghold, you gotta be you gotta be strong. You're gonna yeah, be picking so up some kind of just, you know, uh, we're blacksmiths and tinkers and toy makers. Well, I mean, yeah. some of them were, but if you were a blacksmith, you'd be in fantastic physical condition. Yeah. So, but what my point being is that they were not just you know like random schlubs the way that the uh, Peter Jackson films like imply that they are, which. Now, yeah. To be fair, the animated version does kind of the same because half of them are supposed to be like kind of handsome and treated seriously. And poor Bombor, everyone just kind of treats him as a punchline. But in the book, he's actually this really nice, warm, helpful guy who's like one of the first of the dwarves to put his faith in Bilbo. It's because of his name. It's it's because his name is kind of goofy. I mean, it kind of is. It's because his name is goofy and the fact that he's literally described as the... The he's the fat guy. He, he's as and, tall as he is round. Yes. Yes. And that like canonically after the thing, he gets so fat that they have, he can't like leave his room because he's just so fat. <laughs> Cause he just, you know, he takes his share of the treasure and it's just like, I'm going to, just have all of the food that I could ever want. <laughs> it, it helps to put it in context to know that the Hobbit was originally a bedtime story for his son, and that's why the dwarves' names rhymed. <laughs> and well, that's I mean, also uh, here's the thing: like you actually look at old, um, like the the lists of names of the dwarves and the elves in the uh, Edas. A lot of them are uh, not only do they rhyme, but he basically stole a lot of them. Yes. Like, so, that's where Gandalf literally comes from. Yeah. It literally is like the name of a dwarf. Wise, wise elf. Yeah. Yeah. It, mean, it, means, it means staff elf. Gandalf yeah. literally means elf with a staff. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And here's the thing this thing, this, mm, this irks me because um, dwarves are so much more than the stereotypes. And I, I get it. The movies needed a comic relief character and lo and behold, Gimli was there, but in the books, Gimli was a competent fighter. And you know, that competition that Legolas and Gimli had where like, they were counting how many monsters they killed. Gimli in the books wins that competition. Mm -hmm. 
and like he's I get it. you needed comic relief. Okay, 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 I get it. And it's fun. It's, it's because fun. Orlando Bloom is, is hot. That's yes. the entire reason why they keep being like, ah, oh, he's so good at fighting. Oh no, he is. Legolas is a very talented warrior, and I'm not gonna take that from him. But Gimli won the competition and was treated very seriously. Like this whole thing is Gimli, son of Glowen. He had an illustrious heritage. He was a shining star among dwarf kind. And just, ugh, I hate that. I hate not only that everyone just thinks that every dwarf is just Gimli from the movie version specifically, because they always get treated like they're punching bags. It's like, no, no, okay. The dwarves are so much more than this, and they're not all Scottish, and most of the Scots I've met are like over six feet tall, so it's like, I don't get where that even started. Oh, so the, what, what you're saying is... So is what they're, they're saying all... is they're Coram dwarves. I was gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one who's actually read the book. Actually, I've read Coram too. Uh, love it having the brothers here together on the podcast. I've read Coram too. In fact, <laughs> Hawkwind is the one I haven't read. And God, you should... You need to read Hawkwind. I was about to say, I've read Jerry Cornelius. I don't think you've read Jerry Cornelius. I have not read Jerry Cornelius. Anyway, but enough, you know, Brothers Pugum pissing competition about what (laughs) Michael Moorcock books we have and haven't read. Actually, that's a fascinating way to to detour this a little bit. You guys have read these books, and I haven't, but I understand they do something very specific with their heroes in those books. Uh, Yeah, that's basically where... Basically, the entire thing with that is um, effectively Michael Moorcock realized that he he effectively was writing the same archetype again and again and again. So he was like, yeah, so basically there's this multiverse of worlds, and my heroes are all just the same, They effectively the same soul who's reincarnated time and again constantly to save these worlds from, like, great calamity. And so, yeah. That's that's where the eternal champion comes from, and uh, effectively, it's to save the world from uh, law or chaos, from just destroying everything. Usually, chaos because chaos usually plays better as a villain. It, yeah, no, it kind of does, but I mean, humans generally trend towards neutrality. So, I mean, I get it. I don't know, man. I've played enough uh, SMT to know that Law is not particularly good either. You just jelly that Law has all the cool monsters. Law, okay, I'll say this. Law has some of the more interesting... um, It has the uh, evil god tribe, which is actually where uh, Yaldabaoth is, which is really cool. But at the same time... um, they are really, really annoying in terms of trying to actually like, yeah, I want to get the law ending. Okay, no, they, they so, tend to be really hard, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I, I'm trying to be lawful, but I'm like, I am really, I, I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to, you know, accept authority. I'm supposed to, you know, to uh, abide by the rules. But it's like, they are very, very, very annoying in terms of the construct of the game. No, they, they kind of are, but that's because atlas honestly struggles with script writing um but actually like again i think that's kind of an interesting turning point uh the 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 whole thing with your hero is is that compunction to act and actually like uh 
that's an interesting thing. SMT could could uh, shed a little bit of light on this because your hero has choices to make, and you as the player get to reflect on those choices. And actually, I think games that that give you, well, let me clarify, games that are well thought out with their morality systems can be an interesting litmus test to reflect on who the player is, especially on their first playthrough through the game. Uh, and that the whole law chaos dichotomy is a very simple one and one that Atlas often doesn't handle the best. But again, I think it's really interesting because you have those choices throughout the game. It's like, are you going to lean more chaos? Are you going to lean more you know, neutral or are you more lawful? But either way, you're still the, 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 the main spearhead of the story. So like whether you become a hero, an anti-hero, or an outright villain is, is really just in, like what it's all in your hands. So what are you going to do with that? I guess ultimately is what we're saying is is that you need to play Strange Journey and actually finish that game there. <laughs> God, that game is such a grind. It, it is, but it's really good. Like and honestly, biting down on a sand belter. Just, ah. it, so it's okay. You want the hockey stick difficulty curve of four? <laughs> you know what? I got further in four than I did in Strange Journey. My beats uh, for Apocalypse, so I don't feel too terrible. Obviously, you just need to play Debbie Kids. Oh, uh, good. Let's talk about the time when SMT tried to be Pokemon and forgot how to and just made SMT with bright colors. You know, actually, that's a funny, funny thing, because that's the entire reason why I got into Megaton to begin with, because a certain professor goes to me and is like, Have you ever played hey, Debbie Kids? Hey, Babby, Babby Ditaku. <laughs> yeah. You like mythology, right? Oh, yeah, I love mythology. Did you know that there's a game where you play as a person who summons demons? And little, you know, edgy, little dimple-faced little Ditako goes, oh, we? Back when we were the yeah. Tomo babies rather than the Tomo bros. And we had a yes. very tall woman whose face is never shown on screen taking care of us in our nursery with huge imaginations. Didn't you guys meet when you were like 16? We were in high school, yes. <laughs> Tomo babies. High school is basically babies. It's fine. Leave your angry comments down below. Hey, I'm in high school. What the heck, man? It's true and you know it. <laughs> yeah, I bet Cog like, in I like was, middle school. I was, like, I remember being like 11 when yeah. I met the snack. You, yeah, you were also a tiny little diaper-wearing babu in the nursery with the rest of us. I was about to say, actually, it's funny because you know you met you met my my littlest sister who literally actually literally was actual a baby. baby. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> she, I don't think she remembered me because when we talked on the phone that one time, she was like, "Who are you?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I was in high school when you were in diapers, kid." So as my beard just like spontaneously grows another three inches out of my face. Yeah, it's funny. You should you should tell your niece that you were a member of ZZ Top. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, you know what she's she's getting to that point. Another year or two, I can probably start telling her stupid crap like that and you know what? to my you sister, and I okay, will okay. laugh as so hard. Who, as someone who actually actually did that to his littlest sister you really shouldn't do that because i'm just saying she came to me later and she's like you guys basically gave me a complex i couldn't trust anything that anyone ever because you guys kept ruining with me you know 
That, that's what pilgrims do, though. And, you know, snacks are not that different. We are not so different, you and I. <laughs> oh, actually, that reminds me. That, 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 that's a, another interesting hero, because American comics used to be good, don't you know? Let, let us talk about Ted Cord, the original Blue Beetle. Ted uh, Cord. A new movie's coming out soon. Uh, it's it? out that already. <laughs> It's apparently the very definition of a 7 out of 10 meh uh, superhero flick, as I've heard. And it's already bombing at the box office. Of course. No one wants to see... Superhero fatigue is real. (laughs) Yeah. No, it it totally is. And that's a shame, because I actually like Blue Beetle, both the original and uh, the legacy version. I was about to say, do you like Ted Kord, or do you like Jaime Reyes? I actually actually like both. if I had to pick one over the other, I'd pick Ted Cord because I think he's just fundamentally, he's like Ted Cord is what happens if Bruce Wayne was actually compelling uh, because he really wasn't powered like at all. And yeah, he just had gadgets, didn't he? Yep. He was a gadgeteer. And he was also like, he's also kind of Tony Stark if he was compelling because this whole thing was, he was an objectivist and he basically had this, you don't compromise with evil because if you do that, you become evil yourself. So in his last moments, Ted Kord was canonically killed and is one of the few characters who has remained dead near as I, as I know or slash care. Uh, the whole thing, I forget who it was. It was a villain and he's like, you know, Kord, I've always respected you. Uh, you should join with me and we can fix all the problems in the world via supervillainy. And several people have commented, like, oh, well, Kord could have like pretended to go along with it and infiltrated him from the inside. It's like, that is not who Ted Cord was. Ted Cord did not compromise his stance. He was a good man, and he would never, ever toe the line. You know, that's the thing with Steve Ditko, is that he, he uh, if I remember correctly, he was the one who uh, made him. And yeah, it basically was a case of he, he made very unflaggingly uh, principled protagonists. Yes. Like his version of the uh, Mr. A, the question... Basically, yeah, is is a very um, objectivist, very principled person who <laughs> doesn't accept evil, shall we say? Yes, he has well, ways I, of dealing I, with that. See, I would I would agree with that thing though. If 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 you compromise your principles, they're they're no longer principles; they're they're preferences. That that's yeah. just. And by personal philosophy there, if, if yeah, the moment you compromise a principle, it, it keeps to be a principle. That is true facts. Which is why cultural relativism is cancer. It is. And the, its logical evolution of moral relativism is the same. And that, that's the thing that irks me so much about it. It's, it's not exclusively Western characters, but it's predominantly Western characters who who, who dip into that, it, it doesn't matter, we can be as evil, as, as long as you're less evil than the evil you're fighting, it's totally okay. So like violence just solves everything, and I'll just kill all the bad guys, and I'll win, dad. Okay, wow. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I, I, I know you want to be, you know, fight God, just get over yourself. <laughs> Wasn't what I was going for, but now that you said it, I'm like, yeah, no, that's that. That's yeah, no, you you are correct. (laughs) Is it possible for us to talk at all about media without going on a deep tangents about 
philosophy? I yes, I just don't want to. <laughs> I, I'm just curious. I, I mean, I'm not complaining. That I, I mean, it's like half the reason that I come, um, well, other than to just like completely shake up the snacks view about a piece of media. <laughs> Thanks for that, by the way. <laughs> one of these days we're actually going to get the professor to read starship troopers and he's going to be like guys i can't believe i never read this before. i still have my copy i just need to sit down and read it i i, I own it I are just, we gonna are, are, is one week gonna be snacks book talk i promise you, know you that will you, happen what i'm gonna bully him i'm gonna get the my video out and then i'm gonna bully him until he does it <laughs> Fair enough. I know I'm going to be like, okay, you got to do Knights of the Old Republic, but then you got to do your book talk, man. Uh, KOTOR is is the next April Fool's episode. I'll I'll just leave that as a a teaser if if people are still watching this far into the video. All right. All right. You're going to have to do Bloodlines then. (laughs) What, for like like the next April Fool's or just in general? No, no. That's going to be like, all right. So, you know, I did my book book talk. I did my project. Now, you know, you got to do... bloodlines let's play or a review yeah it's neck plays okay that's fair i had to pick my own clan yes yeah that's fine fair enough all right i didn't i just <laughs> i'm not gonna play nosferatu that's my, my only thing like, i don't want to play a Nazi. no i'm not gonna i'm not gonna force you to play any given clan if you want to play bruja you can play bruja that's probably fine. probably bruja or gongrel <laughs> those are my favorites so uh, actually, yes, this this is a time that I can self-indulge a little bit. Uh, let's talk about heroes that I'm really proud of having made, and that would be The Legend of Joe and Joe. Because uh, Yutaku was kind enough to GM a Vampire Dark Ages game for us. And Noodle... Uh, I knew exactly where this was going. <laughs> I am really proud of this, okay? We talked about this a little bit in the Tabletop She Bros videos uh, playlist in the playlist section. Um, but uh, Noodle made... I forgot what clan he was. What was Josephus? Josephus was a... He was a... Um, it's an old, old clan Bruja. He was an oh, old clan right. Bruja. So I had time travel or I had time manip- manipulation instead of just going fast. Right. And I played a gongrel. And the whole thing was we were Joe and Joe because he was Josephus and I was Yahim, which is spelled with a J O. <laughs> it's I picked it because it's one of those names that you basically don't pronounce any letter the way you expect to. And we decided we were going to be the Jolly Christian Cooperation Vampires. And the funny thing is, is that we each decided that entirely independently. We did not plan this together. It wasn't until we revealed our characters at, the, at, at, at session zero. And Yutaku was like, what, what the heck? Why do I have like two Crusader vampires in my, in my circle? Did you guys plan this? And they're like, no. But we did make minor alterations to our character history, uh, making them basically BFFs. <laughs> and yeah, we, we traveled Europe in the name of God and Christendom. So mm-hmm. it was pretty amazing, including a time where Ditaku was like, oh, you found this cursed book. And it's basically just like talking mad smack at you because there's a literal actual <laughs> demon in it. And we're like, you know what? 
we're not going to take this. We have principles. And if we, if we betray the word of God, we're no better than the beast vampires. We're going to exercise it. And Taku goes, wait, 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 wait. I had something stupid in my ear. Let me be clear on your plan here. Two vampires, undead creatures, by the way, are going to invoke the will of God and exercise a demon out of a cursed book. And we said, yes. That is we fucking stutter? <laughs> were we unclear, good sir? <laughs> and we did. We rolled really, really, really well, as I recall. Andy Duck was like, the only the reason why is I allowed you guys to do it, by the way. <laughs> Otherwise, it's like, yeah, you just, you know, God looks down and goes, you what, mate? And you die. <laughs> the fact that we both had true faith was probably very helpful there. It, it was. Uh, we, we had to earn that crap, too, because we, we took quite a beating to get it. And after we exercised it, Duck was like, okay, fine. You exercise the demon, but you're going to take, like, a crap ton of aggravated damage. Yeah, we so did. you guys, as I recall, basically had aggravated health damage for, like, the rest of the... Uh, Pretty much until the game ended, yes. We never 100% healed it off because of how slow that stuff is to heal. But it was worth it. It because was. Because we were crusaders of God. Exactly. No regrets. <laughs> Hashtag Christian goals. I mean, the fact that you had that one, um, the one uh, with Sombra who was like, oh, you strong men of God. (laughs) And we're like, you know, thoughts are temporary. The crusade is eternal. (laughs) Yes, we basically kept ignoring her and it just drove her even more stir crazy than she already was. Yep. No, no, she wasn't a La Sombra. She was a uh, Cappadocian. Yeah, yeah, she was Cappy. Because her entire thing was basically this was my character that was like, yeah, I just need a character who has like an, uh, any particular discipline. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Cappadocians just have uh, aspects. They just have the ability to summon ghosts. I'm like, wow. The, you know, it's, it's a kind of a wonder that you guys got canonically killed because. You guys are really, really strong. Yep. So, yeah, we went the, the entire time. Not only were our characters basically sworn brothers and best friends, everything we did was like, we're going to stick to the good book, and we are not going to deviate from it one inch in any direction, except the straight and narrow. And... Oh, Dutaku tried a couple times, but I think he realized pretty early that we weren't going to budge. <laughs> yeah, uh, actually, and, and eventually I just kind of leaned into it. The overarching, um, the overarching plot that I had was basically the fact that um, this was in the middle of a great unrest in the Mediterranean. They were they were in Sicily at that point, and uh, basically what I I had them do like oh yeah by the way in and on top of this norman invasion that's happening uh there are effectively saracen vampires that are coming in from uh egypt and they're gonna try and take over italy and uh yeah this is gonna threaten christendom because you know where's the pope right and we're like yeah that's not gonna happen on our watch hmm? <laughs> yep I was basically Christian Kenshiro because I literally had the scar of a cross carved into my chest 
So I was like, you know what? He just goes shirtless. He just has like a vest, like Kevin and Sick and Densetsu 3. And so just everyone, the first thing you see is the six foot six gongrel with a cross carved into his chest. Yeah, didn't I you mean, say that it was like some kind of inquisitor tried to uh, seal you away with it and it just. That's, no, that's it was uh, my the guy who sired me did it in mockery because he's like, oh, you're so you know pious to your God. Let's be a reminder of what you are. And when he got turned, he was like, yes, this is a reminder of what I am. And that is a man of God, even if my body is that of a monster. And so there's so cool. you know, <laughs> six and a just a six and a half foot tall German you know, night, just walking around the Mediterranean, completely shirtless. <laughs> he had a vest, to be fair. He had a vest and pants and, like, sh- boots. But yes, otherwise, yes. <laughs> I mean, you guys were, you guys had um, a cap, a, a um, Turkish not nun, as I recall, and on top of that, you had whatever um, bacon business character was. I, I don't genuinely remember. don't remember. He didn't leave much of an impact on me in that game. Bacon bits didn't actually join that game. We had Clockwork. With I was about us. to say, oh, clockwork. Was that clockwork. Okay. Yeah, we had Clockwork. He was playing a uh, he was playing a Zemitsi plague doctor. Okay. Uh, yeah, that does sound familiar. Now that you said it. Yeah, that seems like something that that Clockwork would do. Yeah, he he was he was playing a uh, he was playing a Count Dracula flesh crafter plague doctor. Yeah, he was a little bit of a uh, bad scientist. I think we kept him around because honestly, he was too useful to like not have around. But I mean, we did get beat up quite frequently, and he's like, "I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, you know, okay, let me fix up your damage." Use our my flesh crafting to put you guys back together before you get yourselves killed. All in the line of all in the line of God, my friend. Well, see, I I seem to recall the the reason that he was part of the group was because my character was a Byzantine noble, and because he was, you know, from Transylvania, he and therefore, you know, he was from Romania. He had to learn his, his doctor craft prior to um, being embraced. He had traveled down to Constantinople for his education. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I think Joe and Joe are excellent examples of truly heroic heroes. They had very set values that were very plainly stated for the world to see. And by God, they stuck by them. Their <laughs> thoughts are temporary. The kingdom of heaven is forever. You know, one of these days we're going to get tortoise in on a, a vampire game. We're going to play another dark ages game. I want to bring back Yoahim. I would love to play him again. I mean, yes, yes, one day there will be all three Brothers Pugum in, in one call, and I'm not sure the world is ready for that. I sure am, though. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of Warhammer. 
<laughs> hey, I've spent this entire podcast painting Warhammer minis, so hey, that's fair. <laughs> You're now imagining just a Pugum with a paintbrush in his hand and a fi- little figurine in the other. Are you uh, doing your Raven Guard, or are you still doing your Skitari? I- I- I'm painting Skitari for a uh, for a Hunter Clade kill team. But yes, guys who are 100% not heroes, I want I want to be pointed out. Not at all relevant. <laughs> but, I mean, they're they're not really like human much anymore i mean they're they're as you know a a crazy old space wizard once pointed out they're more machine now than man yep i I mean toaster and evil (laughs) (laughs) yeah that that's a that's that's a world that needs a few heroes in it that's why in terms of warhammer 40k lore my favorite is the salamanders because of all the, the, the faults that Vulcan could have had, it's that he cared too much. You know, yes. they're, they're a good legion. Them and the Blood Angels. I, I think those are, they're, they're both good legions. And, yes. and also, the, also my boys, the Bananas. Although, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry there, Noodle. I did not realize how hard yellow was to paint. Yes, for those who are not in the, not in the know, um, because Ditaku was the one who got Tortoise and I into Warhammer, and as previously mentioned in other things, Ditaku does not have the best eyesight. During the COVID pandemic, Tortoise and I decided to paint a bunch of Imperial Fists for, for Ditaku, and we ended up painting 150 Imperial <laughs> Fists for Ditaku. And I no longer want to ever paint the color yellow ever again. That's a little racist. <laughs> I'm right here, dude. Um, you can be yellow all you want. I just, I just <laughs> not going to paint ever. yellow. Fair enough. I'm just, I'm never going to paint. What I was just saying, snack is I'm never going to paint a little model snack. That, that <laughs> that's that's fair. I'll own that. Um, but yeah, that's that's. I would say that's one of the reasons that I paint the Raven Guard, and so I only have to paint black, but <laughs> the Raven Guard was my, my they were my boys well before that. They have been my boys since Dutaku got me into this game in, in 2007, dear God, in the depths of 4th edition. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yes. Now, Dear all, God, all our beards, all of our beards are growing past our knees now. Well, for those of yeah. us who have well, knees, guys, I guess we got to start that ZZ Top cover band now. We'll get cogged the mean, guitar. <laughs> I mean, I, I I do have quite the beard already. Just you know, need to let that grow a bit further. <laughs> I mean, Not I sure. Think, how- uh, I'm not sure, sure what the elder and queen's opinion on me growing out my beard would be. All hail the the eternal eldritch queen. May she reign forever over all. Yes, all hail Alicia Elfrieden. <laughs> Her will is eternal. Elfrieden be praised. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that we have worshipped our Lord and Savior, I, uh, unless you guys have any additional comments, I think it's time to bring today's episode to a close. 
You know, we, we have gone to many strange places, but I think this has been a very fun conversation. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yes. I, I enjoyed myself immensely. Indeed. And if you people at home enjoyed yourselves, and or if you made it to this point, leave a comment down below saying that you got to this point. And I don't know. I'll, I'll name something in the game after you in the future. That'll be fun. So yeah, also, comment what the most cuddly Pokemon is. There is a correct answer, and it is Clarion. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, fair. Boy. That's fair. <laughs> so leave a like if you haven't. Subscribe if you haven't. But thank you, uh, Master Ditaku Pugum, eldest of Brothers Pugum, for joining us this fair evening. No problem. And thanks to you, Master Noodles, also of the Brothers Pugum, for joining us in this shockingly riveting conversation that took many odd and unexpected turns along the way. That's what you get when you have more than one Pugum in the same place at the same time. I do look forward to having all the brothers together at least once. That would be... Yeah, one day we will find out where Pugums come from. Now, I'm pretty sure they come from the Pugum store. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, thank you guys at home for watching. This has been another episode of the Tomodachi Bros podcast. Let us know your thoughts, comments, emotional outbursts, and deepest desires to cuddle a Flareon in the comments down below. And we'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the Tomodachi Brothers Review Podcast. Produced and recorded by The Hipster Snack, Daitaku, and Cog. Sound design and editing by executive producer Sean Taylor Brown with Cog Sound Engineering. Music written and performed by Sean Taylor Brown with Costas Voss of Core Insight Studio on the drums. We hope you enjoyed this episode. See you next time.